for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. We're gonna bury Ferrari at Le Mans. So the great Carol Shelby is gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them you needed? Two or three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> This isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? We're lighter, we're faster. That don't work, we're nastier. History. If this were a beauty pageant, we just lost. Looks hard, everything. Welcome, everybody, to At the Movies. Ford versus Ferrari today. We got a Ford, we got a Ferrari. They won't let me even get inside, so don't you worry. We're at the Autobahn in Joliet uh, talking about this movie uh, that's a true story about the world of auto racing in the 1960s. And if you're not into racing, don't worry. There's a little bit of drama. There's a little violence. There's even a little love story along the way, okay? Carol Shelby, who was played by Matt Damon, was a race car driver and one of the few Americans to win the Le Mans 24-hour race. Uh, but he was diagnosed with a heart condition that abruptly ended his racing career. And people saw him as a washed-up, too-old has-been, like they do me. And then there's Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale, an eccentric, passionate, socially awkward auto mechanic with an awesome accent. He's a small-time race car driver who knew how to control the car better than he knew how to control his emotions, okay? And as you can already tell, there is a, a story of misfits in here. 
here, okay? This is the story of misfits who together accomplished something that a billion dollar car company with tens of thousands of employees could not pull out. Now, it may not make sense to you, but back in the 60s, the auto wars were about uh, winning races on Sunday so that they could sell cars on Monday. And the Ford Motor Company was nowhere near the winner circle in any race on any Sunday. Enter the two misfits who were not suit and tie guys like the higher ups at Ford. These are just two guys who know cars. And while you might see a race car movie, this movie reminds me of a very important truth. God has a habit of choosing unlikely people that aren't from the right family or the right background or who don't have the right looks uh, to do extraordinary things. In fact, he likes choosing the underdog to do the impossible. So this movie is a little less of a racing movie to me and a little bit more like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfit Toys, okay? In our movie, the highly qualified guys at Ford couldn't figure out how to win a race. So Henry Ford II sent Lee Iacocca, you gotta love all of this, right? To go pitch this idea to Carroll Shelby. It's basically help Ford build a car to beat Ferrari and win the 24 hours at Le Mans and do it all in 90 days. To this day, it would remain an impossible assignment, but not if you add these two misfits to the equation. So you're saying it's challenging. Look, it's not even a track, Lee. Le Mans eight and a half miles of country road. It's narrow, ungraded, it's rough. There's no camber on the turns, no rails. You gotta do that for 24 hours. That means night. Half that race is in the dark. Drivers stumbling around the track. You're exhausted, you're hungry. Can't remember your name, what country you're in. And all of a sudden you realize you're doing 198 on a straight. And if anything goes wrong, you blow a gasket, five cent washer. That's it, whole thing's over. Ferrari wins again. Just like he won last year, year before that, year before that. So you don't think that Ford Motor Company can build the greatest race car the world's ever seen? Think that we are incapable of winning an event like that? Even if we had a brilliant partner? Even if we wrote a, uh, a blank check? What I'm saying is, you can't buy a win, Lee. But maybe you could buy the guy who gets you a shot. A new transmission, axles, shocks all around. Ditch the body and the tires. You have yourself a contender. Anything on this beauty that does work? So what? You just. Passing or evening stroll? Actually, Bulldog, I have a proposition for you. Look at this. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, Shell. Grabbing air. That's the problem. Over 90, air's getting in, not getting out. It's the nose, I can feel it in the wheel. Mr. Miles, if there's a problem, the computer will find it. Oh, Charlie, 
get some scotch tape and a ball of wool. What are they doing? Making your car faster. Mr. Shelby, welcome to Dearborn. What are you doing at a test track? You're gonna get oil all over that nice suit. Uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on a few planning decisions. Personnel for Lamont. Well, Ken Miles. We like Richie Ginter, Mastin Gregory, Alondurant. Well, you don't want the best driver for the car, understands the machine. Uh, that's Ken. Oh, yes! More of that, please. Miles is a. Well, he's a beatnik. He dresses like one. Ford means reliability. Ken Miles not a Ford man. Oh! Giddy up! Giddy up! What's the lap record here, Bert? 158. 150, dead. A beatnik. That man landed a busted tank on the beach at D-Day and drove it clean across Europe to Berlin. A beatnik. You know, Lee here asked me a while back, what's the one thing money can't buy? I'll tell you what it is. A pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. Well, be that as it may, we think he may be too pure. If you've ever felt like you couldn't make the grade, you didn't measure up, whatever, you probably feel a lot like what it felt like to be Ken Miles, right? But here's the thing about God. He often chooses the most unlikely people to accomplish the most extraordinary things. He loves to use unqualified people, people the world wouldn't even take a second look at. Do I have a verse for that? Oh, yes, I do. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Paul's talking about people that God used to change the world for his glory. So the less qualified we are, the more honor God gets when we succeed. Because it's just clear to others that God is doing it, and it's not in our own strength. This is the story of Parkview. Uh, you want to know what superhuman gift your pastor has uh, that makes God able to use me? You know what it is? You know what my qualifications are? Is it my spiritual depth? Stop laughing out there. Is, my, is it my boss beard? I mean, what is it? You know what I know what my gift is? My gift is that I'm not afraid of public speaking. That's all. Uh, the number one fear of most people in the world is public speaking. And for some reason, I didn't get that gene. It's just broken. So if I'm in a room and nobody's talking, I'm probably going to get up and start talking. That's how it works. That's my gift. I've been banned from libraries all over the country, okay? That's probably not you. Uh, maybe you're normal. <laughs> And public speaking is not your thing, you know? Maybe you're an introvert like my wife who would rather have a root canal than be in a room and have to make casual conversation with people that she doesn't know. Does that mean that God can't use you? Well, actually, it probably means he wants to use you even more. Carol Shelby had to break the difficult news 
to Miles that he was not going to get to race at Le Mans, at least not this time, because he didn't fit in with the mold of a Ford man. And so he stays behind, but then somebody expresses that they still believe in him, that they still love him. Who? In spite of the rough edges, Ken Miles is married to a good, good woman who knows how to love him. Ken, the race is starting soon. Want it on the radio? Uh, not unless you do. You're listening to uh, some race over in France. Exciting. Not really paying much attention. couldn't help but think as I watched that scene about the different people in my life who've believed in me, who've been there for me, encouraged me, given me a good word, right? Um, and I hope you're thinking of the same thing. People who put an arm around my shoulder when I needed it. Number one is my introverted wife. I mean, you know, she doesn't show up in the garage with a beer very often, I'm just saying, but I'm gluten intolerant anyway. And can I just say that if you ever see me under a car, you should call an ambulance because I probably got run over, okay? I just wonder who is it that, that you know, maybe in your family, in your small group, in your school, in your neighborhood, who might just need a little bit of encouragement from you, might just need your arm around their shoulder. The eternal impact of one gesture can be enormous. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We know how this works because at some point in our lives, someone helped us succeed. 
maybe it was your parents, uh, hopefully it was, or a teacher or a coach or, or maybe even a boss, right? That person that inspired greatness inside of you and, and caused you to believe in yourself um, because they did. Well, after a disastrous trip to Le Mans without Ken, upon returning, Shelby attempts to try to convince the hurt and reluctant Ken that he should give it another shot but doing so won't be a walk in the park. You were right. It's a gearbox. We ran too hot. Three out of four of them broke. Rod blew on the other one. We're going back, Ken. Well, the uh, ice cream's melting. All right. Hey, Ken, you want me to apologize? I don't know. Let's try it out. Let's uh, see how that feels. Do you have any idea just to get four wheels on that grid? No, you don't, because you don't deal with any of that stuff. Now knock it off, Ken. We got work to do, and this car ain't going to build itself. <clears throat> ah. <laughs> OK. All right. Pop, please. Yes, love. You want one too, Shelby? No. Oh, yes, please, no. Marley. No. He can get his own. Just for me, please. You want to oh. go again? Here you go. Oh. Oh. Good angel. Thank you. Oh. My pleasure. Right, well, I'm about to go to the grocery store. Anything you think you'll need? Red. Well, I'm good, thank you. Do you know what that scene reminds me of, really? It's, it's Jesus' disciples, okay? If you look at the guys that Jesus chose to be his disciples, it kind of leaves you scratching your head just a little bit. I mean, you talk about a band of misfits. They're mostly fishermen, you know, a tax collector thrown in there. They're rough around the edges. They were, you know, they're, they're from the other side of the tracks, right? They, they were from the lake where they fished. They were really basically the ancient version of rednecks, okay? Jesus even called a couple of them the sons of thunder, right? I mean, <laughs> they were always a little bit out of control. Sounds like a motorcycle gang. But these are the guys who changed the world. How does that happen? Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. All right, can I say that again? He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. So when God asks us to do something, um, he gives us what we need to get the job done. So Shelby and Ken make up, but now Shelby has to convince Mr. Ford that Miles is his guy and he needs him. This is my favorite scene. So Shelby hatches, uh, well, let's just say an unorthodox plan. Mr. Ford, this is a surprise. Apologies for the unannounced intrusion, Mr. Shelby, but a man pays $9 million for an automobile. He ought to at least be able to see it. 
Well, that sounds reasonable enough. Uh, shall we have a word? Sure. In private? Ah, uh, yeah, that would be preferable. Now, I, I do hope that this won't be a problem between us. Well, I assure you, Leo, it will not. Hey, Carol. Carol! And what is that top speed with the uh, 420? Well, why don't we take speed? it for a spin? What? Yeah, go on, Mr. Ford. Hop on in. Go on. You want me to just see what $9 million feels like? Open the door! Just to hold me right there, and you take my hand. Open the door. Sorry, sir. If you just give me a moment. Open the door! You ready? The name on the middle of that steering wheel should tell you that I was born ready, Shelby. Hit it. That a boy. About right now, the uninitiated have a tendency to soil themselves. <laughs> Miss Ford, you all right? I had no idea. I had no idea. I wish my daddy, he were alive to see this, <laughs> to feel this. Now, this is not a machine. Does anybody can get in and easily control? Absolutely not. I had no idea. Now, you want to win Le Mans. You really want to take first place. Ken Miles is a man to do it. Good timing. Now, he knows this car because he helped me build it. Shelby, you know I've already appointed Leo BB director Which of is racing. exactly why I'm talking to you. Now, you let Ken Miles race Daytona. If he wins, he gets to drive Lamar. And if he doesn't? Ford Motor Company gets full ownership of Shelby American. Lock, stock, and brand forever. I love that scene. Here you have one of the most powerful, richest men in the world, but he gets schooled and humbled by a rough-around-the-edges cowboy hat-wearing, washed-up race car driver named Carol Shelby, who convinced him that to win at Le Mans, they needed Ken Miles. You see, a race car is only as good as the person behind the wheel. It's got to be in the right hands. And I can tell you something amazing about God. If you will put your life in his hands, he will do amazing things with you because God loves using unqualified, ordinary people. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. God loves using people like you and like me. After Jesus' resurrection, this bunch of rednecks were preaching on Pentecost, which is the day that they started the church. And the Bible says that the people who heard them speaking were utterly amazed. They asked themselves, wait, aren't those the Galileans 
which was a way of throwing shade on the disciples. It was saying, those guys are the hicks from the lake, right? I mean, how could they do this? The more refined suit people in the city couldn't understand how this happened. But listen to what happened when the sermon is done. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's how the church began. A group of misfits talking about forgiveness and salvation through Jesus. And 3,000 people got baptized that day as unqualified people turned the world upside down. And then you get over to Acts chapter 4 that we studied just a few weeks ago. And it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What is that? Uh, these guys must be with Jesus because they shouldn't be able to do what they're doing. And since they could see the man who had been healed standing there, there was nothing they could say. When you are available, God comes through and there's nothing they can say except, well, I guess they've been with Jesus. In the world of motorsports, eventually Henry Ford looks past Miles and Shelby's unorthodoxy and their son of thunder behavior. And over the objection of his advisors, he takes him to France to go head to head against Ferrari and win this war. Fast, doesn't it? Uh, looks hard, everything. Can you keep this up? Can the car. Let's do this again.
Wait for it. Wait for it. Now. That's another record. Come on, lads, where are you? What's he doing? Mom, why is he slowing down? He's bringing them in. He's bringing them all in together. Good for you. Good for you, Ken. need a lighter chassis. I was thinking bonded aluminium to ground up rebuild, but uh, if it works, we can lose a couple hundred pounds. So now you got to decide, is it going to be Chiefs versus Buccaneers tonight or Ford versus Ferrari tonight, right? Um, I know. Some of you, my wife hadn't seen the movie. Some of you ladies might not have. Really unbelievable story. And yeah, I got to wear the jacket because, I mean, where else am I going to ever wear it again? I don't know. Um, I, I just want to explain to you, uh, as we get ready for communion, now what happened at the end of that race. Because what happened at the end of the race is... Instead of winning, actually, if you look at the record books, it does not show a winner for Le Mans that year because he decided to pull back. And even though Ford didn't really believe in him up until the very last minute, all three Fords came through together. He humbled himself. And I've just been thinking about, uh, I mean, you love a race movie because you want it to be, you know, you want it to be all about winning. And, and we, we love all about winning. I've been, I've been uh, reading this biography about Patton in World War II. And, and just let me tell you that uh, we got one more at the movies. And then I'm going to start a series on the Lord's Prayer. Because there was this line in this biography that was uh, about how when the guys are in the foxhole, a lot of times what they do is they say the Lord's Prayer. And this is kind of a, we 
weren't planning on going this direction, but I feel like a lot of us are in the foxhole right now. I feel like a lot of us are just really needing to go back to the basics. We're gonna, I can't wait to preach, deliver us from evil. Can't wait to preach our Father who art in heaven. So we're gonna do that, not next week, we got one more at the movies, and then we're gonna do that. But in this, in this, bio, in this, in this biography of Patton, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it, the world, we needed a Patton. He was an arrogant, you know, warrior, general, and we needed that to defeat Hitler. But when it came to Jesus, um, we really don't have that in Jesus. Jesus wasn't even really a winner. My friend Hayden sent me the lyrics to this song. When I least expect it here and there, I see my Savior's face. He's still my favorite loser, falling for the entire human race. And I think what I love about this movie is, I mean, yeah, you want to win and all that, and we all want to win. But when Ken Miles throttled back at the end and allowed everybody to come together, that humility, there's something in there. Um, the fact that he was someone who God used, the fact that, so, that God uses unperfect people to do his will reminds me of Philippians 2. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset of Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's really what it's all about. That's what communion is all about today is that Jesus humbled himself. He even served that bunch of redneck disciples, and then he empowered them. Once they humbled themselves and they had been with Jesus, then he empowered them to go do what they could never do on their own. And that's what he wants to do for you. Here are the lyrics to that song we sang just a minute ago. No other king would kneel to wash my feet, prepare a table for his enemies, lay down his glory for the least of these. No other king would touch a leper's skin, open his arms to let the outcast in, respond with mercy in the face of sin. That's what Jesus did for us. And if maybe you didn't realize that before, maybe somebody invited you to this crazy thing we do every once in a while at the movies, um, Maybe there's a step you need to take. There's a card in front of you we'd love to know. Maybe you need to get baptized like those people did in the book of Acts after those imperfect ragtag bunch of disciples got up and preached a sermon that 3,000 people got baptized. Fill out this card and give it to somebody on your way out. Let us connect with you. We want to help you on your journey. But what I really want to do is to remind you that Christianity is not about winning it's about humbling and allowing the Savior to use us. And it's symbolized, I mean, the one thing that Jesus asked us to do was to take a little piece of bread and a little juice. There's a cellophane on the top of it and then foil on the top of the, of the juice part. And if you just take those apart, the bread represents his body and the blood is represented by the juice in the cup which is what? It was his death. He humbled himself and he didn't win so that death could be defeated and we could win. Let's pray. 
Lord, as we take a moment just to think and, and pray, um, I just thank you for what, for what Christianity is really supposed to be about because a lot of people are not figuring that out these days. It's not supposed to be about our names and glory. It's not supposed to be about getting our way. It's supposed to be about us throttling back and serving. It's about us taking the example of Jesus who made himself nothing so that others could be saved. And Lord, if we didn't realize that, today's a great day for us. Maybe there are people who are gonna take communion today and say, Jesus, I didn't realize that you wanted somebody like me. I'm in. I pray that with all my heart today. It's in your name that we pray, amen.